Thank you for listening to Made to Be, a podcast exploring the surprising professional paths of extraordinary women in business. I'm Kristen Berman, co-founder and CEO of Philly Made Creative, a marketing and media production agency. Listen as I facilitate powerful conversations with women who are masters of their crafts. Learn about their journeys and just what it took to become who they were made to be. At that point, I had been working around the clock. I would work till two in the morning. I would go to sleep, wake up at nine and do it all over again. It reached a point where I couldn't do that anymore because I can't raise a kid in um, three hours of sleep, basically. So I was like sort of buying into that entire mindset of like, all right, I really need to have something that can operate without me in the throes of it every second of the day. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kristen Berman. And on today's episode of Made to Be, I'm here with Emily Morgan. She and her remote team help leaders and their teams to strategically clear their plates. We could all use that, right? So they can focus on higher impact activities. Emily is also the founder of Delegate Solutions, a strategic support firm, and the designer of the Delegate Method which helps leaders identify areas of their work they can delegate or automate for maximum efficiency. She's helped hundreds of busy entrepreneurial leaders master delegation and design systems to support and grow their awesome businesses. Uh, This year alone, Emily and her team have cleared over 30,000 hours of tasks off the plates of overwhelmed business owners. Wow, that's a lot of time, Emily. Thank you so much for being here on Made to Be. I appreciate your time and being willing to speak about your story. Very honored to speak with you, Kristen. Thank you. So Emily, why don't you let us know just a quick a bit about what Delegate Solutions is and when you started the company? Yeah, so we're a premium virtual assistant firm and we were founded in 2007, right after my son was born. So we're going on 13 years old at this point. Um, I'm based here in Philly, but I have a team of about 40 employees that are located all around the country. Um, So we're U.S.-based, and we work exclusively with entrepreneurs. And what makes us different is we help people figure out what to delegate and how to delegate and then put systems and and a team together to help you get that done efficiently. All right. So you said you focus mostly with entrepreneurs. Um, When you started the business back in 2007, was that always the, the intention of Delegate Solutions? No. <laughs> so my company looks not at all like what I originally set out to do. So I started my company when my son was born because I really wanted to be present, to be home, to take care of him um, and not deal with, at the time I was working at University of Pennsylvania. So I was commuting from South Jersey into the city. And I said, I don't want that in terms of being a parent. Um, so I took what I was doing at Penn, which was working as an admin and sort of learned and adapted to say, hey, I can actually do this from home. Um, So my old boss at Penn was one of my first clients. And so like it just kind of organically developed and I was working remotely doing admin work. And this was when the VA industry was pretty new um, over a decade ago. Um, And it was all about just being, being flexible, doing work that I love, but not having a commute or, you know, time away from my family. 
What was it like talking to your boss at that time saying, Hey, I just had my son. I'd like to stay home and not commute, but I still want to work for you. How did that conversation go? Uh, well, at that point, the man I'm referencing actually wasn't my boss. I had a different boss um, and they came on as clients also. <laughs> so It was kind of like at that point I had proven myself that I knew what I was doing and, and I had established a basic framework of a business that, you know, was believable enough for them to say yes to that. And so was it just you starting out or did you in sort of have a team of people? just me for a number of years. Um, and it was when the economy tanked. So it was like 2007. My husband at the time had lost his job. He's on unemployment. And I was like, okay, I can't work full time and take care of my son. So I you know, quit the job and brought them with me and just really accelerated quickly because what I was doing was really useful to a lot of people. So I was able to get clients pretty quickly to the point where I filled up my own time. And then it was like, okay, do I really want to have just a business where I'm being an admin or do I want to have like a real business where I'm selling this type of service? And that was really the change that happened. So when you decided to make that shift, what was it like bringing on new people? How did you interview people? I mean, we're obviously right now we're in a world of remote work, but at the time that wasn't as sort of accepted with, you know, from clients, but also how did you learn to trust new employees? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's funny because I spent over a decade, you know, stomping on the podium about remote work and how it works. And, you know, that's been a battle I've been fighting for a long time. So to see it transform overnight has been quite remarkable. Um, And it changes so many things for us. Like one, it creates more buy-in around people willing to work remotely and hire remotely, but it also changed the dynamic of my staff because now my opportunity is not as unique as it was, you know, before COVID. But to your earlier question, um, when I started bringing people in, it was just virtual assistants that I knew through my network that wanted to pick up extra work. So they would come in and subcontract for me. One woman in particular was with me for a number of years. And about five years in, I did the Goldman Sachs um, 10 KSB program here in Philly and made the shift to really having employees. And so that was a huge turning point for us because that was the only way we could ensure that the design of the service that we created was going to be consistently executed in a way that I could sell and knew that that's how it was going to be delivered. So when you decided to do the Goldman Sachs 10K, and for those people who don't, who aren't aware of what that is, that's a, what, a 10 week intensive for business owners? hundred hours over three months. Yeah. A hundred hours over three months. So that seems like a lot of time you're, you're building your business. I'm not sure how many years into it, but you're a a younger mom. You've got a young child. Um, What was it like committing to that, but also everything else that you're doing? (laughs) Well, at that point, I was a single mom, so it's even harder. Um, Yeah, so, uh, you know, I had to get a nanny, um, and I'd already had a nanny in place at the point when I decided to do Goldman, but you can only do Goldman if you can seriously step away from the business and it can operate without you there. So that's one of the entry criteria. At that point, I had the bones of a leadership team, so I had people that were really sort of helping run the day-to-day as much as we could back 
all those years ago. You're listening to Made to Be, a podcast featuring extraordinary women in business produced by Philly Made Creative. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you believe you or somebody you know should be featured as a guest, please email madetobe at phillymadecreative.com. You know, when you talk about you being a single mom starting a business, how was that for you? And, and what were some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah. So when I started the business, I was married and, um, about when my son was four, I moved out basically. And at that point leading up to that, I had been working like around the clock. I would work till two in the morning. I would go to sleep, wake up at nine and do it all over again. Um, because I needed to provide at that point, he was unemployed and it was just a hard time. Um, and then when my son and I moved out, it, it reached a point where I couldn't do that anymore because I can't raise a kid in um, three hours of sleep basically. Um, so I had to just really shift. And at that point I got introduced to the strategic coach program, which is all about helping entrepreneurs, um, create a business that can run without you. So a self-managing company. So it was like sort of buying into that entire mindset of like, all right, I really need to have something that can operate without me in the throes of it every second of the day. So when you, when you went into that program, how long did it take before you really felt confident to be able to step away from the business? Um, I mean, I have a leadership team. We run on EOS entrepreneurs operating system. So we're very organized around accountability, transparency, metrics, but strategic coach, like I'm still in that program. It's a, it's an annual program. Um, four times a year you go, but I think last Last May, not this one, the one prior, I took a month off, like a sabbatical, and that was really, and nothing broke, and that was really the first time that I could say, all right, I've really stepped away, it ran without me, and it was fine. (laughs) So when you did that, what did you do with that one month sabbatical? (laughs) I really didn't do much. I mean, I I read, I did things around the house, spent time with my, my family, but there was, I didn't have like a a plan for that time. It was just about, um, taking a break. Was there something that sort of motivated you to decide to do that? Um, I was getting burnout and I was starting to feel like, all right, who am I outside of an entrepreneur, right? Like what are the other things that I enjoy? What do I want for myself and my, my life? Um, so it was a lot of reflective time as well. Were there any challenges that sort of happened during that time frame that you just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in. We've got the leadership team in place. Or did you find yourself stepping in at all? No, I was totally checked out. And then like, we kind of rotate. So we'll all take time off. I'm the only one that's taken a month off, but it's a really good exercise because it allows you to see, all right, if something happens to this person, what, where are the breakdowns? That's really important too, especially when things are so hectic, there's so much going on when there are people who maybe, maybe it's on your team or maybe it's one of the VAs that you, that you hire, how do you encourage things like that? And, and how do you notice maybe that they're burnt out? 
Yeah, we've started asking um, in our interview process, because we have a really long interview process. And one of the questions we ask is like, well, um, what do you need from us as a leadership team to feel supported? And we're even considering adding a question there around how will we know if you're maxed out? Because for us, that's where people quit. And we don't usually have as much visibility as you would if we were in an office. Um, so it's a really hard solve. That's a really important question in my business that I'm constantly trying to solve. What are some of the things that you've noticed that sort of lead to that burnout feeling? For us, um, we do time tracking. So it's a big change if you're used to just, you know, doing admin work in an office. Now you're tracking time. So we're working with you. We're working with five other clients. Our clients are buying blocks of time. The team is tracking the time by the minute against those blocks of time. That's a big shift for a lot of people to make. Um, and we hear a lot like, well, I'm sitting at my desk all day, but I only tracked, you know, 27 minutes or something like that. And so that we do a lot of coaching with them around time blocking and around um, creating like we do batching work. So we'll work on one client, the next client, the next client, and then we'll come back to client one, two and three. So we rotate through. So we're teaching them how to do it effectively. Um, but also I think my industry naturally has high turnover. So we're battling that as well. We're battling um, a lot of our team member, team members are moms. And so moms are seriously impacted by COVID and trying to manage kids being home and working has been really hard. So we're, we're just, it's the number one problem to solve in my business. So we're constantly working on it. So I want to sort of jump back a little bit. You had said that you had worked at the university of Pennsylvania as an admin mm -hmm. and what, what sort of led you to that role? Had you, um, had you gone to school in business administration or anything like that? No. Um, I mean, my story is that I was raised by teachers and so I always, and a stay-at-home mom. And so I always thought I was going to be a teacher and I never, it was never in front of me. Entrepreneurship was never like presented to me as an option. And I never really associated with like business club or business students. And I think there's this pocket of people that if you don't sort of align with business early on, that you just don't think about entrepreneurship. And um, so like my parents, my mother always used to say, well, I think you're gonna be in business. And like, she didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. So I just went to school and I was um, going to school to become a teacher. And I was working at the universities, um, you know, like part-time as a student worker. Um, so I worked at University of Alaska in Anchorage. And then I, came back down to University of Pennsylvania to finish my degree. And um, my degree is in English. So I don't have the only formal business training I have is what I've done as a business owner. So when you thought you wanted to be a teacher, was there an age that you thought or was there a, a subject matter? Yeah, so I thought I would be, become a German teacher. Um, and I was going to school for German at the time. And it was really hard. <laughs> I couldn't master it. Um, so by the time I got to Penn, it was kind of like I was working there full time. So I got to go to school there for free. So it was about what is the fastest path to graduate. And that's, you know, English was like, well, if I ever want to teach, I could, I could use the degree. 
What were some of the other jobs that you've had that maybe that has, you've learned from to be able to sort of interdisciplinary, you know, bring into delegate? I can share one story. I remember when I was working at Penn, I was working in the engineering school supporting one of the deans. And I just remember saying like, I love being the backstage person. Like, I don't want to be the front stage person. I like being behind the scenes. And so now that I'm the front stage person, you know, I always laugh when I hear my team say, well, I like being behind the scenes because that's what I always used to say. And, you know, I think you kind of rise into it. Um, It's never something I would have thought I would be doing for my, in my life, you know, running a business and (laughs) everything that's happened. Um, So that was like kind of a weird experience that I had. So when you did make the shift to having to become that sort of the front face of your business, what was that like to sort of push yourself into that role? It was um, natural, but terrifying. So I think like I always tell people that are thinking about this, like fear is part of the gig. And like, I'm scared every single day. (laughs) I'm scared about, you know, having to pay 40 employees. I'm scared about clients not being happy. Like I'm, I'm always scared about these things, but like, I just kind of, it lives there, but I don't live in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Was there a time where you, there was something that really scary happened that you've had to really deal with and come out of? 100% COVID. Um, it was the most terrifying time in business. We, we dropped about 25 to 30% in a matter of weeks in terms of our retainer revenue, which, you know, I have a pretty stable business model because we, people pay in advance, we sell retainers, it's recurring revenue type business. So um, the combination of that with my CFO telling me, okay, you got to lay people off. I mean, I was like, I was a basket case. I was sobbing. It was, it was terrifying. It was like everything you could, you would think it would be. It was a really hard time. Mm. And I can only imagine at that time, you're also taking care of your son and dealing with some of the home things and not being able to socialize. How did you manage that? So true story. I'm in EO here in Philly entrepreneurs organization. And on the eve of when I thought I was going to have to lay people off, one of the guys in EO, his name's Ami Kassar. Some of you guys may know him. He texted me and he's like, how quickly could you add 50 people? How quickly could you scale up 50 more people? Like random text. <laughs> and so it was enough of an opportunity to give us hope. And it was right as PPP was about to get approved that we didn't lay off. And like, it turned out we didn't even really do much together, Ami and I, at that point, but it was the hope that we had at that moment that allowed us to really get through that time. Mm. Yeah, it was just wow. about feeling like I could hope that something good was going to come out of this. And it was random. I mean, I've sent him and Katie, who runs our EO chapter, like I've shared this story with them because it was such an impactful moment for us. So the next day after you'd gotten that text, you went back to your CFO and what did you say? Look, we've got this opportunity on the table. She's like, okay, great. Because PPP got approved. So 
you're good. Just, we're going to wait it out. We're going to go a few more weeks. You know, we're busier than ever right now, but it was that moment in time where Ami and Katie like really gave me hope to keep going, (laughs) whether they recognized it or not. Like it was a huge deal. There may have been times like that in, in your past where maybe, you know, taking on new employees and what were some things that maybe you would tell yourself about your business or, uh, you know, to keep you motivated, to keep you going? Yeah, I did a lot of work early on with money, um, with money affirmations, which sounds a little crazy, but like you really can't have an, a uh, scarcity mindset with money if you're trying to run a business. Um, I think you live in a really scary place. So I worked really hard to have an abundance mindset with money. And like, for example, um, we, we just salaried the entire team. Okay. I've never salaried my VAs before. This is a huge deal. (laughs) Like this doesn't happen in my industry. It's terrifying, but it's kind of, you know, I kind of said, look, we're putting out in the universe, like, all right, the team is available to work all, you know, 500 more hours. And I just believe that the universe is going to bring 500 hours back to us. And like, I run a seven figure business. And like, I know that sounds hokey, but like, it's, it's how I operate. And it's how I have to, I have to stay in that mindset. And I have to know that I have um, the right people on the right seats to really own the money and advise me around what's happening, but I'm not in the details of it. Like some people are. What were some of the affirmations that you would tell yourself about money? I'm going to get them for you. So I have them on like a little notepad. So here's one. I give myself permission to prosper. Okay. Um, I I love that you just pulled that right out. You know exactly where it was. I easily release negative beliefs about money that no longer serve me. So like I worked with Brittany Castro. I took her money class and, you know, just at one point you had to write a love letter to your money. Another point you had to write your money story and it was like work, but it really helped me because, you know, I'm a single mom at that point was living in an apartment with my son, like money's tight. And like, I really had to be able to let go of that, to feel empowered, to make decisions, to grow the business, things like that. So maybe before when you were first starting out and you're a newly single mom and launching this business was, did you, did you already have a savings sort of built up that allowed you to do this? Or was it really the business that you were getting that allowed that? Yeah, no, there was no savings. I mean, basically I bought a laptop and I started a business and my son actually just took the laptop. He's using it. It's 13 years old, but he's like so excited to use it. I was like, look, this laptop is really important to me. I started the company on this. My son loves to say that the company wouldn't be here without him. He thinks that's what he goes around telling everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, my business didn't require like some massive investment. I think our work with the CFO over the last few years has been about having a cash cushion so that you can have some cash confidence. Um, but I'm pretty liberal when it comes to spending, honestly, because I find like whatever I put in, I usually get back double, you know? Mm. What are some things that maybe you would recommend for somebody? Maybe they're looking to start a business or they're, they're in the beginnings of a business. I know people have 
started business during COVID. Mm -hmm. What are some other than affirmations, ways that you might advise them to think about money or look at their money? Yeah. So one of the big things that I had to fix with money was around my salary. Um, I, for about five or six years, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say as I treated the business like a piggy bank, but I kind of did. Like I would make the money and take the money, right? And so one of the transformational things I did was to establish how much money do I make, right? How much money, when are we at a point where I can make a regular salary, I'm on payroll, I'm getting distribution. Like that was a really clarifying moment for me. Um, And, you know, it made things very separate. So big, big change. So what are some things that maybe you would tell your younger self about what it was like when she grew up? My dog's snoring. Um, (laughs) I think like that it's okay to think, think big and think differently. Um, Like I said, I wasn't built with like limiting beliefs, but I wasn't built with like, you can, you know, run a million dollar company. Like that was never anything that I was told. So I think if you have the tenacity and the vision and the support to do something, like you could pretty much do anything you want to do. Is there any last sort of bits of advice that you'd like to give women in business about either starting a business or, or being a part of one? Sure. I think for me, I'm a lifelong learner. So like there's so much support out there in terms of free education. Goldman Sachs is a free program that network transformed my whole life. Like those are some of my closest friends going through that program. Um, EO is another great network here in Philly that just, I think entrepreneurs really need support because it's very lonely, isolating work. Um, especially when you have a large team and like, you're kind of responsible for so much to be able to have others that you can experience share with is really important. Um, And I think for me, it's about like, what is the, where am I trying to go? Like, what is the overall vision and what's the next best thing that I can do to move it forward and not get lost in like all the million things that have to happen to go from here to the horizon that you're chasing. Like what's the next thing you can do to move forward? It's a great piece of advice, sort of taking everything step-by-step. Emily, thank you so much for being on Made to Be. We appreciate your time and and you sharing your story. And I hope you have a great rest of your summer and and enjoy the transition to the school year too. So scary. Thank you. So great to be here. Thank you. Made to Be is a production of Philly Made Creative. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you like this episode, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or Anchor, and stay tuned for future episodes.